studying on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. The Bible teaches us that God has a purpose for each and every individual. Amen. God has a purpose for your life. You are not an accident waiting to happen. You are God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. Amen. God has places that He wants you to go. He's got people He wants you to meet. He's got lives He wants you to touch. And He's got things He wants you to do for His kingdom. Amen. There is no higher purpose, no better satisfaction, no greater adventure than living to fulfill God's purpose for your life. This is the great adventure. Living to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Having established the fact that God does have a plan and purpose for each one of us, we began to answer the question, how, how do we recognize God's purpose? All right, I, I believe God has a plan and purpose for my life. But how do I discover that purpose? How do I recognize what His plan and purpose for my life is? So we began that journey of discovery. We talked about a few things. We said... First of all, page 13, we must recognize the general teaching and instruction of God's Word. See, that's the foundation. That's the starting point. We must start by recognizing what is God's, what is God's general instruction. God would never have designed me to be the smartest thief on earth. Because that contradicts everything His Bible says. God would never have designed me to be the best drugs, drug peddler in the world. That contradicts his word. So we start with the very basic. What does the Bible say? I, God will never lead you, never lead me to become something in life that would contradict his very word. Then we said we must recognize the seeds in our life. Recognize the seeds in our life. We said that God, when God works, he works according to the seed principle. Everything God does, He follows the, the seed principle. Many, many things in the Bible follow the seed principle. Money is like seed. Good things we do is like seed. God's Word is like seed. Human life is like seed. And even the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is like a seed. All of these things follow the seed principle. Meaning they're very, very small to begin with. But when they are nurtured, when they are sown, when they are nurtured, it's going to grow up and it's going to bear fruit. It's going to bring forth something of significance. So many times God puts seeds in our lives. He puts things in our lives that may be very small, may be, may be very insignificant, but they are indicative of the plan and purpose that He has for our lives. And so we must recognize the seeds God has placed in our lives. Seeds could be things like... a. a uh, opportunities that come our way, special contacts, people who have influenced our life in a particular way, our dreams that we may have had uh, early in our life, things that have really shaped us from the very beginning. These are kingdom seeds God has placed in us. We need to recognize those seeds because they will help, un help us understand the direction God wants us to go. The third thing we talked about, page 18, is to recognize the stirring within. Many times the thing that God wants us to do on the earth comes as a very simple stirring in our hearts. We talked about the example of Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah, 
like all the others, read the same newspaper, the Times of Jerusalem. And on the front cover was a picture of the broken walls of Jerusalem. He turned on JNN, Jerusalem Network News, you know. And there he saw the broken walls of Jerusalem. A, whole, a lot of others like him saw it and they just flipped the channel. When Nehemiah saw those walls, when Nehemiah saw those pictures and read the newspaper, something stirred in his heart. He said, I've got to do something about those walls in Jerusalem. Amen. Something stirred inside him. I got to do something. And later on he said, it's what God has put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. So the stirring in our hearts, very often is really God speaking. And God saying, I want you to do this for my kingdom. Be sensitive to the stirring in your heart. What are you really passionate about? What is it that really excites you, that really stirs you on the inside? Recognize that. Don't ignore the stirring that's in your heart. Today we're going to move forward here and look at some more indicators that will teach us, that will tell us what is the purpose of God for our lives. We're now on page 20. And this morning, the first thing we want to talk about is to recognize the grace of God given to you. Recognize the grace of God given to you. What is this? What, is, what, do, we, what do we mean by the grace of God? The word grace is used in three different contexts in the New Testament. First, the word grace is used to refer to divine favor, divine acceptance. God accepts us the way we are. Favor, divine favor. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace we are saved through faith. Not of our works, lest any man should boast. So we are saved by the grace of God. Just God accepts us the way we are. The second way the word grace is used in the New Testament is to talk about divine character. Character, the character of God. For example, in John 1st chapter, verse 14, the Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as, a glory, as that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So now the word grace is used to talk about something that represents the character of God. Full of grace. We beheld this glory full of grace and truth. The character of God. And the Bible tells us believers in 2 Peter 3.18 to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are all to grow in Christ-like character. The third way the word grace is used in the New Testament is to talk about divine empowerment, divine enablement. You know, when Paul was, uh, was facing this thorn in the flesh, which was repeated attacks from the enemy, and he cried out to God and he said, God, please take this thing away. And God said, not so, Paul, but my grace is sufficient for you. Meaning now he's using the word grace in talking about divine enablement. Paul, I'm going to enable you to go through this thing. Grace, divine empowerment or divine enablement. So the word grace is used in these three different contexts in the New Testament. And... Uh, what we must understand is that this divine enablement is given for every believer. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one. How many? Each one. Meaning everyone. Amen? It includes you and the person sitting next to you. 
to each one. What? Has been given grace. So every person, every believer, God has given you grace. To each one is given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. So every person sitting here, God has extended some divine enablement to you. And this divine enablement is related to Christ's gift given to you. To each one is a subject. What's been given? Grace. In relation to or in accordance with Christ's gift. So we can safely say that Christ Jesus has given one or more gifts to every person sitting here. Amen? Every person sitting here, Christ gives some gift. To each one is given grace according to the measure. Each person has received some gift. And there is grace that, that comes upon you. Divine enablement that comes upon you that's connected or related to the gifts that Christ has given to you. Amen? Now the Bible says you're according to the measure of Christ's gift. Meaning, implying that the same, there are different measures of the same gift. Different measures of the same gift. There's the same gift, but there are different measures of it. For example, there could be, you know, maybe 25 people here who could have the same gift of leadership or they could have the same gift of teaching the word or, or leading in worship, praise and worship. But there are different measures of the same gift. So some can, could be a little bit more stronger in that gift and more have a greater level of influence, a greater anointing. Some could be a little lesser. Uh, but, but it's the same gift or the different measures of that same gift. But I believe that the measure God gave you, Christ gave you, is more than sufficient for you to fulfill His purpose for your life. Amen? So be happy with whatever measure you have. It's more than enough. It's what you need. It's all you need to fulfill the purpose of God. Don't be jealous of somebody else who's got a bigger measure of the gift because he's got bigger responsibility. Amen? Because the measure of gift that God's given you is more than enough for you to fulfill what He has appointed for your life. The reason somebody else has a bigger measure is because he's got more work to do. Amen? Romans 12 verses 4 to 6. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We have many members in one body. You know, the, the physical body, for example. There are many parts to it. All members don't have the same function. But all members do have some function. Amen? He didn't say all members. He said all members don't have the same function. But he did not say there are some members that have no function. All members do have some function. Amen? You've got a function to perform in the body of Christ. So verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we are all many, but we are one body and individually we are members one of another, meaning our functions are all interlinked. We are members one of another. My arm cannot go off there and say, I'll do my job by myself. I don't need you, body. Amen? Can't do that. 
it's dependent on the rest of the members of my body to, to, do, to do things successfully. So we must understand that while all of us have some function, our functions are inter, inter, intertwined, it's interlinked. We are, we are members one of another. Somehow we all relate to each other. We're dependent. We cannot be disconnected. God's designed us that way. Verse 6. Having then. So you've got a function. And then he says, having then. Meaning, now because you've got a function, you've got gifts. To match your? To match your function. We all have some function in the body. Verse 6. Having then gifts. Why do you think gifts are given? To fulfill your function. Amen? Not just to decorate yourself with. Gifts are given to fulfill your function. So if you find out what your gifts are, it will tell you what your function is. Amen? Gifts are given to help you fulfill your function. Having then gifts. Deferring. We've all been given different gifts. But the gifts you've been given are more than enough to help you fulfill your function in the body. Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us. So the gifts that are given are given according to the grace extended to our lives. Let us use them. Don't put them on the shelf. Use them. For what? To fulfill your function in the body. Amen? So how, how can I discover what my function is? Well, find out what gifts you have. Because the gifts you have will tell you what God has designed you to function. What your function is in the body. Amen? Now, some simple analysis here. All of you know that I have not been gifted to play the guitar. Amen? I don't have to prove it to you. <laughs> All of you know that I have not been gifted to, to sing. Now, if I insist that my function is to be a worship leader, I'm going to be fooling God, trying to fool God, fooling myself and fooling the rest of you. Amen? Because I have not been gifted. In that way. Now I could play a few chords on the guitar. And I can sing. I sing during the time, but I sing down there, not up here. But my function, because my gifts are not in these areas, I'm very sure that my function is not to be a worship leader. Amen? Last night I... Try to surprise our worship leader. I said, you know, I'll do some backup singing. I was playing the fool with him. So, but that's, that's, I know it. If I insist on that my function is to be a worship leader, I'm getting out of track. Because I don't have the gifts to fulfill that function. The gifts God has given me will define my function. The gifts God has given me are something else. Something else. And therefore the gifts God give, has given me will tell me what my function is. 
Amen? So let's read these things here. The gifts in your life are indicative of the grace given to you. The gifts given to you are in line with the function God's designed for you. The gifts and callings of God go together. Romans 11.29 says, The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. The calling of God is always accompanied by the gifting of God. You cannot say you're called to a certain function if you don't have the corresponding giftings. Amen? If you're called to something, the gifting will be there. Because the gifts and call of God always go together. Now in Romans chapter 12 verses 4, if you read on down from verses 7 through 9, he talks about the rest of the functions. He talks about, you know, he says, if you prophesy, you pro prophesy in proportion to your faith. If you teach, teach, um, he is called to, uh, to do teaching, let him teach. He is called to exhort, let him exhort. He is called to lead, let him lead. He is called to have mercy, let him have mercy. So he says, you know, we have all these different functions. What you'll find is that not all functions are spiritual in nature. Not all of them have to do with the preaching of the word or with prayer. Some of them are just like leadership. Now you could lead a dog or you could lead an organization. You're fulfilling the function of being a leader. Amen. You're being a leader. You could use it in so many places. You could be a team leader. You could be a project leader. You could be a leader of an organization. There's so many scales to this whole thing. But he talks about one function, leader. You could be a leader of a sports team. You could be a leader of a music team. You could be a leader of a political team. You could be a leader of anything. The function of being a leader. It doesn't have to always be spiritual in nature. But it's Christ's gift for you. Amen? You ought to find out where He wants you to use it. Now, you know, how do we discover the gifts that are in us? You know, how do we discover them? Let me just share a few thoughts here. Uh, one is by experimentation. Just experiment a little bit. Try something. So, well, you know, you try it out. And she so, well, you know, I, I really can't do it. I tried for one year to learn the guitar. At the end of it, I had a revelation <laughs> that I cannot. I'm not so musically talented. So I moved on to something else. But at least I experimented, tried, and I reached a conclusion. So you experiment with a few things. Try. And, uh, and see what, what the outcome is. If, 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 you, if, you, you know, if your heart's in it, you really enjoy it, and you're doing well, maybe you have a gifting in that area. But if you're not able to make much progress, then you just be true to yourself saying, you know, I don't have a gifting in this area. Let me find out where my gifting is. So just experiment, you know, in a way that will not be too uh, costly, uh, uh, too expensive. Experiment. Another way is this. Many times the gifts of God are latent inside us. They're hidden inside us. And when we experiment, we, we, we uncover, we discover those gifts. Sometimes God can use the prophetic word to help, you do, to help you see something that's latent, hidden inside you. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy through the laying out of my hands. So sometimes the prophetic word can impart or reveal a hidden gift in you. However, you've got to be careful through the prophet, about, about, the, about the prophetic word. While prophecy reveals potential, sometimes the prophetic word can also lead you astray. For example, if somebody comes to Ronald and says, 
Ronald, the Lord says uh, that, uh, that you have to go into restaurant business. So now, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, despise not prophecies, but test all things. So that word has to be tested. If Ronald gives up his job, goes to the bank, take a five lakh loan and opens a restaurant, he'd probably be the only customer there. And the wife's going to tell him, you eat that in the restaurant. <laughs> so before Ronald can do something like that, he has to test the prophetic word. Because sometimes what I've noticed is that, you know, somebody lays hands on somebody and says, thus says the Lord, you're going to be, you know, this wonderful worship leader. And I'm standing right next to him. I said, man, this person cannot even sing. And here comes a word, you're going to be a worship leader. So the person either prophesied or prophesied. And we've got to test it to see whether it's a prophecy or a prophesy. Amen? Now I'm standing next to the person I know. This person can't sing. But here comes a prophecy. You're going to be a worship leader. What do you do with such a prophecy? Please don't go to the worship pastor and say, you know, hey, I was prophesied over. No. Just sing in the bathroom a few days. <laughs> Test if you can do, do it well before you decide to meet with a worship pastor. Meaning, test it out. Test all things. Test the prophetic word. And if you don't find any sign that that word is coming to pass, keep it on the shelf. Wait. Time will be a good test to see whether it was a true prophetic word or not. Amen. Because the Bible says we have to test prophecy. We have to test all things. And there are too many people getting into trouble but simply because somebody just says something about what their gifting is and you know it's not there. Amen? Am I the only one who's ever seen this? Yes or no? You all have seen it. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1, 7, and 8. So while the prophetic word is good and while the prophetic word does reveal potential, it has to be tested. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1, 7 and 8. Verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, of which I became a minister. So he says, I became a minister. So he became something. I became a minister. How? According to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. I became something. What I became was determined by the gift of the grace of God given to me. Amen? What you become in life is determined by the gift of, gra of the grace of God given to you. I became a minister according to the gift of, gra of the grace of God. I became a businessman because God gifted and graced me in that area. I became a, a, a writer. I became a worshiper. Whatever you become is going to be according to the gift of the grace of God that He has extended to your life. Amen? I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me and he continues, but by the effective working of his power. 
Now understand this. God's, your function, your gift of grace, and the power of God are all connected. The power of God is going to flow through your life. When you're in the place, in the function, He wants you to perform using the gift He's given to you. Amen? If anything is out of line, the power of God will not be operative in your life. Maybe you're trying to fulfill a function He has not called you to fulfill. So the power of God is not operating because the power of God will always flow according to the gift of the grace of God when you're becoming what He has appointed you to become in life. Do you all understand? Yes or no? If I'm trying to fit into a function that God's not appointed for me, either I'm using the gift He's given to me to fulfill some other function, the power of God will not flow there. God will not waste His time and power in, in trying to help me fulfill a function He's not appointed for my life. But when I lock into the function He has for me, using the gifts of grace He has given to me, His power will flow through me, making His gifts effective to help me fulfill His function. Do we all understand? So we must discover our gifts of grace. Because they define your function. And that is the area where God's power will flow through your life to make everything effective for His kingdom. I must also understand, later on he says, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The grace of God is always given to you for something. Here he says, I, I, it was given to me to do something, that I should preach the gospel to the Gentiles. The areas in which God has given you grace are also the areas in which you will find God's power working effectively in your life. Now, what we, must also, what we must understand is this, that while God has graced and gifted every believer, there are some gifts and grace that is given to only a few people. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So there are some giftings and offices which are given only to specific people, but as the, the gifts of Christ, there are gifts that are given to every, every believer. Every believer has one, some gift that God has given to him. But there are offices which are given specific to certain individuals. So just to sum up what we are saying, we must recognize the grace of God given to us. Your gifts of grace reveal God's potential and His purpose for your life. The way you are designed reveals what you were designed for. Amen? The way you are designed reveals what you are designed for. So understand what God has made you to be. God's gifts of grace need to be nurtured, developed, and used to fulfill His purpose. One final remark that I need to make here about the grace of God is this, that the grace of God does not mean life is going to be one eternal vacation. Amen? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he said, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. And yet not I, but the grace of God which is given to me. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But I also labored more abundantly. Amen. 
So just because God has given you grace in a certain area doesn't mean life is going to be like a wonderful journey. Just you just sit back, press the grace button. <laughs> Sorry. There are going to be times when you had to sweat it out. Like this, af- like this afternoon. <laughs> there are times when you've, when you've got to press through some difficult time, difficult circumstances. There are times when you've got to make some sacrifices. There are times when you might shed some tears. There are times when you may have to work harder and longer than other, other people. But you've got to labor by the empowerment that God has given you. Amen. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace he gave me didn't go wasted. Why? Because I labored more abundantly than the others. And yet not I. But I labored even by the empowering of God. God empowers you to labor, to work hard. So don't be afraid of hard work. You need hard work to maximize the grace of God given to you. Amen? The next way that we discover the purpose of God page 22, is to recognize the leading of God's Spirit. Here's another way that God communicates His plan and purpose to us, and that is by His Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The sons of God, God's children, have the privilege of being led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can lead you. He can direct you. He can show you the way you're supposed to go. And verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. In your inner being, in your spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness, which means He's going to testify. He's going to speak. He's going to give testimony to the truth. That's what it means to bear witness. So He's going to bear witness. In your spirit. And that way, he's going to lead you in the plan of God. In John 16, verses 13 to 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever the Holy Spirit hears, he's going to speak to whom? To you and me. He's going to speak to you. Do you know that Jesus said that whatever the Holy Spirit hears, He will speak to you. Amen? So over there in heaven where God has a plan and purpose for your life, as God speaks it, the Holy Spirit is going to speak it to you. Reveal the plan and purpose of God to you. And then He continues saying, and He will tell you things to come. He will show you things ahead of time. How? By bearing witness in your spirit. In your spirit is bearing witness. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit starts bearing a witness in your spirit saying, hey, next year there's going to be a change in your life. Change coming in your life. And you feel this, oh God, you know, the Holy Spirit is bearing something. I just feel inside me that in, in 2007 there's going to be a a, a big change in my life. And, a, and then, you know, you tell your friend, or if you're married, you tell your spouse and say, you know, I just sense inside me there's some witness going on. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness inside me that 2006 is going to be some drastic changes in my life. And your friend asks you, or your spouse asks you, you know, what kind of change? 
And he said, well, I don't know, but I'm just getting this sense in my spirit. There's a witness on in my spirit. And then you begin to pray and say, God, you know, I, I'm sensing this in my spirit. There's a witness in my spirit uh, that there's a change coming in my life. God, what is it? And as you begin to pray, the Holy Spirit begins to clarify and say, you know, next year, I'm just giving this as an illustration. Next year, you're going to, be, you're going to get, go into a new job. And uh, this job's going to in, in, involve a lot of traveling. Oh, I better tell my wife, you know. Why? Because my wife wants me next to her all the time. And I'm just talking, I'm talking to Amy, and I'm just giving the example. <laughs> and so he tells you ahead of time so you can be mentally prepared, emotionally prepared, get everything ready. And then sure enough, 2007 comes by and, and something happens and you move out of your present job. And you go into a new job. And on day three of your job, you say, your boss calls you and hands you the ticket and says, Hello, I've got a new assignment for you. Here's your ticket. You're off to Timbuktu. You'll be there for three days. I said, God, thank you for preparing me ahead of time. Amen. He will tell you ahead of time. He will show you things to come. Get you ready for the plan and the purpose of God. The thing is this. We've got to be listening to the Spirit. Amen. How many of you listen to Radio City this morning? None of you. But did you know Radio City was on all the time? Amen? The thing we didn't do is we didn't tune in. The same thing. The Holy Spirit is there trying to bear witness with your spirit. But the thing is you've got to tune in if you want to listen to Him. Amen? You need to tune in. He said, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying about my life? What are you saying about the direction of my life? I regularly go back and say, God, is everything okay in my life? Am I doing what you want me to be doing? Uh, God, do you want any change? Do you want me to make any change in my life? And I listen. If he says something, then I've got to obey. Get ready for it. But the Holy Spirit is here to lead us. He's here to speak to us. He's here to show us things to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor yet heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit charges all things, yes, the deep things of God. So God's got these things, wonderful things, prepared for you and me. But the Bible says He reveals them to us. How? By his Spirit. He's revealed them to us by His Spirit. So while God's got these amazing things prepared for you, He's going to communicate that to you by His Spirit. You and I need to tune in. You and I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Now sometimes the leading of the Spirit is not always fully understandable. Now Jesus said in John 3.8, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. I mean, you cannot explain all the dynamics of how the wind is going, everything. You just know it's blowing. So many times the leading of the Holy Spirit is like that. I mean, you know it's there, but you can't explain everything about it. Amen? 
Let me say, you know, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I mean, is it like 40 degrees centigrade? What is it you're feeling? Sorry, I can't explain it, but I know He's bearing some witness inside me. I can't explain it, but it's there. I can feel the wind blowing. Amen. And I can just say some, uh, uh, several examples on this, on just how the Lord leads us, how the Holy Spirit bears witness with us. But I'll just use this one example, you know, when uh, Amy and I were in the United States, we were in Chicago, we were kind of getting ready to move back to India. Um, uh, this was in 1999, we were getting ready to move back. And while in Chicago, I, I, you know, there are many times I had this desire to start a company. And Amy can witness to that. But every time I got close to forming a company, then, I was, then something said, you know, what am I going to do with this? Because we're going to go back to India. And what, whom will I entrust the company with and so on. So we never did anything. Got all the papers about incorporate, but never incorporated. And uh, then in 2000, big enough 2000, we began to say, you know, God, to January 2001, we are moving back to India. Our only purpose in going back to India is to establish a church and reach the city of Bangalore and impact the nation. That's the only reason why we're going back to India. And, and, and God, but to do ministry, we need something called M-O-N-E-Y. Amen? Some of you know it. Others. <laughs> we need money to do ministry. God, how do you want to provide? And there are also many times I would go back, and for many years I would do, I've been doing this, go back to God and say, God, you know, uh, do you want me to just leave what I'm doing and just dedicate my, all my time and energy to just doing the work of the ministry? And every time I would pray that way, there would be no witness in my heart telling me to leave my job. So what? I just keep working. Amen? If God doesn't speak to you specifically to do something, it simply means keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Revelation to some of us. If God doesn't speak to you specifically and tell you to do something else, it means He wants you to keep doing what you're doing. Don't make something up. So I just continued doing what I'm doing because God never, there was no witness in my heart that I have to leave my job and, and just dedicate all my time to do the ministry. So just continue like that. Now 2000 came, we're getting ready to move back to India and we're saying, God, you know, uh, where do we get money from to do the ministry? We were part of a very small congregation in Chicago, which is maybe about 10, 15 people in that church. We said we thought we'll be there, we'll help the pastor there. It was also close to home and several reasons why we chose to be part of that small congregation. And that was it. And so, you know, even if this congregation supported us, they'd probably give us $100 a month, which is good enough for a bachelor, but when you're married with two children, $100 is not enough. Amen? So, so we're praying and praying. And then, you know, one of our friends, he said, you know, I'll introduce you to a big church. So he introduced us to a big church in Pennsylvania. We flew from Chicago, went to Pennsylvania, met with the pastor of this church. I had my nice brochure all prepared, my vision for India. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a church. We hold a crusade, this thing, that thing. So I sat, we had lunch with this pastor. I gave it to him. I said, Pastor, this is my vision for India. And, you know, I was hoping that maybe he'll write me a check of $50,000 or something. You know, and he, uh, he looked at it and he said, uh, okay, what are you going to do? I said, you know, when I go back to India, I'm going to be working. Oh, this doesn't fit into the normal mold of a missionary. Uh, you're going to be working. I said, yeah, I'm going to be working because that's what I feel in my heart I'm supposed to do. 
I'm going to be still working. In fact, I have, you know, I'm planning, sending out my resumes. I'm going to get some interviews lined up in Bangalore. So when I go back to India, I'm going to have a job. I'm going to work. And I'm also going to do these things in the ministry. And the pastor said, you know, uh, we have, we support missionaries and we give X amount of dollars for missionaries. You can be a missionary of our church. I'm sitting next to him. I'm listening in my heart. What does the Holy Spirit say? There was no witness in my spirit to become a missionary of this church. Even though the offer was there. And in my mind, it could be very nice. Hey, go back to Bangalore, man. This money will come every month. I can relax. Spend all my time doing ministry. But you know, whatever money they give would be sufficient just probably for me and my family. But I knew in my heart we needed much, much, much more money than that to do what God's called us to do. A big vision requires a lot of money. Amen? So while this offer was there, there was no witness in my spirit. So I said, you know, Pastor Sam, I think case is closed. Put the thing away. I started talking about other things. Had lunch, finished our meal, went back to Chicago. So I wondering, God, what do I do now? No church to back us up. We have to go back to India. Oh, in my spirit, I'm sensing that I have to work a job. Where's money going to come from? So here we moved back to India, December 2000. Moved back. I had some interviews scheduled with some companies here in Bangalore. As we were getting ready to move back to India, the God worked out situations there in, in, in Chicago where the company I was working for said, can you work for us from Bangalore? I wasn't sure at that time, so I said, I'll go, I'll go back and find out. Move back to Bangalore, found out, yes, my dad had a computer, he had internet connection, I can do work from home, send the work back, get everything fine. So I emailed them, make sure I can work for you. And here I was, sitting at home, working from home, making $100 an hour. Not a month, an hour. Amen? And that one year, I think we gave about 12 lakhs to the church. Amen? More than any church in America could support us with. Amen? So God had his own way to work things out. Now things have changed since then. But that's what the way, that's how we began. How we began. God just orchestrated everything. Made things possible for us. So what I tell you, listen to the Spirit. Listen to what the Spirit of God says. Amen. Because He knows what's coming up ahead. If I listened to my head, I probably would have signed up with that church and they might have sent me, I don't know, whatever, you know, $1,000 a month or whatever money. And we would be so constrained because what can you do with $1,000 a month? You can feed yourself and your family. But when you want to pay the rent for an auditorium like this, Amen? So, you got to listen to the witness of the Spirit. He knows better. He knows the best. you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? A few things here. He bears witness with our spirit. There are inner impression in your spirit. Something on the inside of you will say, this is right, this is wrong, or there's no witness. When there's no witness, don't make any changes. When there is a witness telling you to do something, obey it. Do what he says. 
when there's a warning sign, something that's discomfort inside you, that means there's something wrong, correct it. Amen? Sometime back, there was a, uh, a young man whom we've been working with. He wanted to move from one place to come and work with us here. Uh, be with our church for two, two years and then move back. And so when he had suggested that, that idea, I said, sure, you know, come. Because I thought it would be good for him and that he'll, work, he'll be with us for the two years in the church, work with us here, then go back and you know, continue his ministry. I said, sure, come. Uh, after I said that, somehow there was something uneasy in my spirit. I said, and this, this was recently, uneasy in my spirit. I said, you know, there's something wrong. No, 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 he shouldn't come here. There's something uneasy in my spirit. And, and so I was wondering, so I just kept it there. So God, you know, what to do with this? I never told anybody about it just because I could sense it in my spirit. Sure enough, Last week, he sent an email. And he said, you know, things have happened very years that he cannot come to Bangalore. Without any hesitation, I clicked the reply button and said, stay where you are. Do whatever you have to do there. We'll be here. We'll help you. It just confirmed what the Spirit was bearing witness in my spirit about the situation. Amen. So if you and I will listen to that witness in our spirit, we will be led by God into what He has planned for us. Secondly, there's a quickening of the written word. There's a quickening of the scriptures. Sometimes you're praying about something, and in your morning reading of the word, or in your time of just meditation of the word, the Lord quickens a particular scripture, and, can, and, and instructs you through that scripture, guides you through that scripture. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, telling you this is right, this is wrong, go this way, so on. The quickening of the Word of God. Amen? However, we shouldn't get too weird about it because, you know, sometimes when you're all emotionally connected with the situation, you can read anything in the Word of God. You will see visions in the Bible. Amen? For example, if you're all emotionally Worked up about, let's say, the, you know, you're all mostly worked up about, about a guy you want to get married to. All of a sudden, every verse in the Bible has his name. <laughs> and then you come to the pastor and say, Pastor, the Lord is confirming to me every time I read the Bible, He's the one for me. So the pastor is looking and says, Okay, tell me about it. Pastor, read that scripture there. Open the Bible. And Jesus instructed them to go to Jerusalem. Okay, what about this? His name is there. His name is there. His name is Jerusalem. No, 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 no. His name is not Jerusalem. But his name is there. Excuse me. The word says, and Jesus instructed them to go to Jerusalem. Where's his name? Pastor's name is that the Holy Spirit showed me. Pastor's really confused. He says, okay, I'll pray about it. He goes off. He prays God. I don't see anybody's name in this verse. Please give me whatever relation you gave her. Please give me. He spends the time praying. Gives up. He comes back to her and says, you know, I can't find any, any person's name there. Pastor, you need some revelation. Like, what revelation? <laughs> Pastor, what are the first four words in the sentence? And Jesus instructed them. What are the first letters of those four words? A-J-I-T.
I mean, listen, when you're emotionally involved, you can just read anything in the Bible. Moving right along. Number three, ideas, impressions, and pictures, dreams and visions, prophetic words. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in several different ways. Sometimes it comes as an idea, an impression, a picture. Sometimes it's dreams and visions, prophetic words. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through all of these different ways. We just need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How do we know it is the Holy Spirit speaking? What tests can we put if you want to just determine that the Holy Spirit is speaking? You know, one thing, whenever the Holy Spirit speaks, He always glorifies Jesus. Amen. When the Holy Spirit speaks, He always glorifies Jesus. If I'm going to be the hero, then it's very likely it's not the Holy Spirit. It's my emotions speaking. But when, G when the Holy Spirit is speaking, He exalts Jesus Christ. So that's a great test to know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking or if it's just my own feelings, my own emotions. So we talked about two more ways to recognize the leading of God, the, grace of, uh, the, the purpose of God for our life. Recognize the grace of God given to you. Recognize the gifts because your function, your gift, and the working of God's power, they all must be in line if you're really going to be effective for God. And secondly, recognize the leading of God's Spirit. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's very simple. Just learn to listen to what witness you have in your spirit. And you will be able to move forward. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.